0: go to the reading or the preaching father we just thank you that we can be together this morning and as we open up your word we ask Lord that you would be with us cause all the distractions the things that uh, ahead of us behind us uh, that uh, just cause them to be set aside through your spirit and open our hearts and our minds to your uh, to your word in such a way Lord that not only enrich our, our walk with you and strengthen it but but cause it to, to overflow in Jesus name Amen, maybe seated and Molly, it's nice to have you with us again That's uh really great. I appreciate you being here this morning the uh first in Romans chapter ten, looking at uh verses. 9 and 10 again, and uh, just uh, wanting to finish uh, what I started two weeks ago with that. But uh, looking at Romans chapter 10, uh, if you'd read along with me, please. Uh, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses. And is saved, Paul wants us to obviously understand something there very clearly, because even in, in verse eleven he you know, he puts it in another slant to it. he says, for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. He wants to make sure that we understand that, that we come to, to Christ in a relationship that, as we confess, believe from the heart which, by the way, just isn't just two simple things. It's, uh, we went through this a, a few weeks ago. It's a full idea of expression of letting Christ in and resting in his grace. It's not just saying it's there, but it's learning to, and grow and resting in it and, and allowing it to strengthen you and to see you through all the trials and tribulations. And as you, as you do this, there's this confidence. I know I am saved. Now, two weeks ago, I got into what we are saved from, which is obvious as you, you look at it. Uh, we're saved from hell. And we went through in detail. The Bible is, is, has a lot to say about hell. It's interesting to me that so many people want to, even Christian groups, want to deny the idea of hell because they just don't want to think, it's hard to think of, of, of that kind of a judgment and it being eternal, but the bottom line is, is that we have souls that are eternal. And it really is a matter of destiny. You know Where, where, you know, where are you going to spend eternity? And so uh, we talked about what we're saved from. We're saved from hell. And I wanted to share this morning what we're saved for. And I realized as I, I was going to approach that topic that we could be here for months. Um, Obviously, heaven is also clearly taught. The kingdom of God, heaven, clearly taught in the scriptures. And again, it's taught as an eternal place where we will spend with God. And we went through uh last year the, that the, the heaven study, and you know, it's a physical heaven and earth. It's it's a place where we'd be in a physical relationship with our Lord. And it's eternal. I mean, it's just amazing. We think of the New Jerusalem, we discussed that, and that's why I had that scripture read this morning uh, as, as speaking of what God is bringing to us. This is what we've got looked to look forward to. And not only that, but even in the present point, we're saved from no hope. Does that make sense to you? Think about it. You know, all of the people of the world that don't have Christ live in fear. Even people in religious lives that claim to have future hope and eternity live in a fear. Even the reincarnation people live in fear because they may come back and not come back as in the, whatever the hierarchy of, of returning spirits and, and those kinds of things are. And so they're never at peace. Jesus says, you are saved. If you, if you confess and believe you know, from the mouth and in the heart, you are saved saved, period. And you can rest with confidence in that. So there's a a blessing even at the moment, if you will, in resting in God. And so we're saved from that fear. We're saved from the fear of death. Paul says very clearly, death, where's your sting? It's gone for all the who believe. To live is Christ. To die is gain. How many people do you hear profess that? I can't, you know, I can't wait until I'm gone you know, from this earth. You know, yet we're taught from the scripture to long for that day and even make a statement in prayer, Maranatha. Bring it soon, Lord. Not so much for, for us to be free of this world, but to be in a place where God is receiving since the fall, all the glory that is due his name and all the worship that is due his name and will be part of it. And so I was thinking, what can I share this morning that would reference what to me is, is so exciting about the whole concept of, of heaven and everything? And it, was, and it became very focused for me. And it's going to go back to, the, you know, uh, to Revelation uh, this morning, but chapter 19. And John writing, and, and he's gone through, we've gone through all the, the, the judgments and the bowls of, 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 of wrath and, and and the plagues and things that have hit the earth in judgment. And we're coming now to, to the culmination of all things, and Christ is, is, is in this picture, uh, just a powerful picture, I just love it. Then I heard... What seemed to be a voice of great multitudes, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. By the way, it's interesting that in all the songs, how many times Hallelujah came up this morning? Hallelujah, the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. I just wanted to focus this morning on one aspect of what we've got to look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because every believer, everyone who has confessed it, is a part of this. And it's going to be a celebration that surpasses anything you know of in your life and in this world. And I'm not going to say, though, that we can't catch glimpses of it, but it's going to be something that is just well, it's going to bring a rejoicing in heaven as it culminates, as it comes together. Uh, that is amazing. I mean, look at the way it's described uh, as as the the, the, the the multitude in heaven are singing, like the roar of many waters and uh, uh, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Have you ever been by a, a, a waterfall? Now, I've never been to... to uh, thank you. All I could think of was a place where everybody goes to honeymoon. Um, I've never been to Niagara Falls. I have seen it on on movies, and, and I've I've heard it through you know a presentation in that context, but I've never seen it. But I've heard that that you can be standing to somebody next to them, and they can be yelling, and you really won't be able to hear. Now, but I've been next to even a small waterfall, and found it. Um, you know, loud, if it's hitting especially a deeper pool. And, and so this idea of, of this huge, you know, it, it's, it's an overwhelming sound. And the thing is, it's, uh, it's of rejoicing and singing that's making it. I was trying to think of anything that I could come close to, and, and I've been in, in situations where there's been as many as thirty to 50,000 Christians together, singing at the same time. And it is amazing to, 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 to listen to and to be a part of. And you think, this is just a glimpse, kind of a small preview compared to what we just read here of what has yet to happen. And so you look at this and you, and you realize, what a, what a picture we have well, from, from Revelation 21 Uh, the picture of a new heaven and a new earth. Here, it's the the bride of of Christ and and Christ coming together in the marriage supper. And so uh, you look at this and, and it says, the marriage supper of the Lamb, by the way. It sounds, you know, to the world that sounds peculiar. Marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay? But to us, we understand if we read through Scripture John speaks of Jesus in chapter 1 of of the Gospel of John. You know, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, And so he he speaks very, you know, specifically of of the Lamb of God. Revelation 5, 6 says something interesting as John writes it because he's in the midst of all of the the joy and singing that's going on ahead of this. It's not listed as as loud as this one is that we're reading today. But it's, it's, um, again, the, the heavenly host singing and praising God. And in the midst of that, he looks over and he sees the lamb as one who has been slain. There's where we get that picture of who Jesus is. Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world, the lamb who was slain. Jesus is the sacrifice, the Passover lamb, the sacrifice that redeems us as we rest in him. His sacrifice saves us. The, uh, the picture is just, uh, again, an amazing picture. It says here that Jesus is a bridegroom. It presents Jesus as a bridegroom. John says, again, in chapter 3, he speaks of Jesus as the bridegroom. And, in fact, let's look at that, that chapter. John, it's uh, chapter uh, 19. Or, excuse me, chapter 3. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead here. I'm going to start with verse 22. Keep the context. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Enon near Salim because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. For John was not yet been put in prison. The one who has, uh, who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. By John saying it that way, he's identifying who the bridegroom is. He doesn't necessarily identify the bride for us here, but who the bridegroom is. And then he says that, just a, a powerful, he must increase but I must decrease. In other words, this is the way God has planned it. It's, it's so hard for us to, to grasp because we don't think of, of that kind of, of, of giving. I mean, he was the focal point for, for six months. It's a pretty brief ministry to be elevated and be the focal point of such attention in an all an area and then turn around and say, my time is done. It's, it's, it's in the decline now. His is the one that must increase. He is the bridegroom. He, by the way, notice how he identifies himself. He's a friend of the bridegroom. That actually is a terminology that, that identifies him as the one who would be in the wedding party, possibly even a best man. But it just shows you the closeness there. He, but he must increase, I must decrease. And so we have this picture. John writing in... in, in uh, Verse nine, or chapter 19, verses 6 through 8, then he writes first off uh, that, you know, this, well, let's just go back to it. Um, verse, uh, oops, Romans isn't where I want to be. The, this, this picture of, of, of uh, I'm just, Going back and forth here. What he heard, first off, just when I, then I heard. He's listening, he hears all of these things, this crying out. And look, at it's this hallelujah. And the hallelujah here is is the idea of praise you, God. That's a basic, easy translation for it. Praise you, God. In a deafening worship and song. Praise you, God. And why? Because he reigns. He has defeated the enemy. By the way, this is after the defeat of, of, of Babylon, basically. We'll put it that way, the whole picture in, in, in a summary, the defeat of Babylon. And, and so he has shown himself victorious in every way. Who's in control? Jesus is. What happens when Jesus appears in reference to the Antichrist? He's silenced immediately. You know, I, I, I've shared this often, but you know, a lot of times... You know, people try to, to kind of get this picture of this, this ongoing battle or something, you know, and it just says that the, the Antichrist is going to be silenced by the appearance of his coming and the breath of his mouth. And so I've, I, I was told that it literally meant like, kind of like this. Jesus shows up and goes, and the Antichrist is done. For all the havoc that he could cause and all the, 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 the things that he did that's how much power he has before God. <laughs> and it's over. And so they're singing hallelujah. They're, they're, they're rejoicing greatly. Let us rejoice and exalt. Give glory. Now the bridegroom and the and, and the bride and the bridegroom are united. They're together. His bride is ready to be presented to, to all. And look at her. Look how she's dressed. Fine linen clothes. But you notice, even though she, it's been granted for her to put on, that's the key, granted. There's, and the bride is, is the church. There is no way we could put on the robe of righteousness. This clothing is an idea of something that engulfs us and covers us like a big a road that would, would cover us. We can't even pick it up in our own strength. In fact, when we see righteousness, when we're outside of Christ, we don't see it for what it really is. But through Christ, through his sacrifice, the lamb who was slain... And has risen again place, and place he sees him in heaven. He's now with his bride, the church, and we are clothed in righteousness, his righteousness. Where do the righteous deeds begin in our relationship? When do we under begin to understand the righteousness? Go back to Romans, where we were in verse 10, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. When we confess with our mouth when we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I was interested. I thought, you know, this, this idea of fine linen versus linen. And so I did a, a little word study. It was really quite easy because it's only this particular word for fine linen is only found in three verses in the New Testament. And it's all in Revelation one is, though, it's interesting because it's, it's in, in Revelation where Babylon has some fine linen. But it doesn't survive. It's a, like a counterfeit. It's trying to put out, like, we've got the fine linen. See here, the Antichrist speaking himself as God. I've, we've got the fine linen, but it doesn't work. It doesn't suffice. It's, it's a counterfeit. There is a fine linen that is granted through God for his church to have through Christ. And that's the only one that when you're clothed in it will allow you to stand with Christ as the bride. And the other place here is, is where we read it here and then again uh, in a couple of chapters down. This fine linen is is such a quality that it, it well, I, 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 some of you are going to understand this. I don't know how many of you sew and, and, and get into it. The, but there's the idea of, of when you see, I'm simple-minded, I have to see it easily. You know, when you're looking at sheets and, and they say thread count is X number, you know, say 100, and then another one says, well, this is 200, and another one says, well, this is 400. <laughs> that doesn't really register with me, you know, until I did this study. Because fine linen is a real, fine, woven thread. And it's so fine that when you touch it, it feels smooth. And you touch, the, the, there's, there's qualities. In fact, there's a, three qualities of linen that's spoken of in scripture. There's a, a kind of what you might call ordinary linen. And, and, and it has a texture to it. And, and then there is the, the next level of linen, which uh, is, is the priest would wear, this type of thing. But then there's a fine linen. And this linen is smooth. It glistens. It's so white. When if it's, it, it's, been, it's been thoroughly bleached. It's so white that if you just see the white, uh, it, it, it almost glimmers. And this is what's being spoken of here. This is the linen that, that the wealthiest people would take and, and And it receives the dye universally. It it dyes very nice and even. So they made that royal red cloth or purple cloth out of using this kind of linen. cost hundreds of dollars in their day a pound, and it was sold by the weight. Now, the the finer the weave, the cloth is also heavy. And so this, this fine linen... This is what was, is a picture for us. And, it, and it's uh, glistening in, and it's white and the symbol of purity. And it takes us back to where Jesus, well, maybe the easiest one to do it would be Ephesians chapter 5 where it speaks about husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. To, to present her what? Without spot or wrinkle or without blemish in, in the sense of purity. look at this and again I say what a great picture for the beginning of eternity that's that's just the beginning of it and everything that we read tells us that it's going to continue and then we we uh, sing a song like we did this morning amazing grace when we've been there how many years well, we, won't, we really won't be looking at time that way, but that was the whole idea of this was to exaggerate it to something kind of absurd. you know, who lives 10,000 years? You know, when we've been there 10,000 years, it'll be like the first day. In the sense of a wedding feast, though, you also need to understand what has to be contained in this picture. It's only implied if we look at it, but uh, uh, from a time, person coming from this time, they would see this very clearly. And that's the sense of joy and celebration and rejoicing and, and feasting together, visiting together, being with each other. And sometimes some wedding feasts would go on for days, not just uh, all night, but for days, People would come back, and the guests would come again, and they would stay. There's actually records of some of them that went on for weeks of very, you know, royal families and stuff like that. But it was a, a, a time of, of, of joy and celebration, singing and dancing. Not dancing like we might think about it, but a sense of, 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 of celebration it, it may be better to look at it this way. If you knew you were going to be invited to, to a wedding, if you were invited, you thought about it and anticipated it because it was such a, a, a joyous event that you would look forward to it with great anticipation and excitement. And so I started thinking about what kinds of things do we look forward to in great, you know, anticipation and excitement. Now, certainly weddings are still part of that picture for some, you know, a lot of times, though, at least from, from the standpoint that I look at it from a pastor who's been involved in a lot of weddings, I've seen more chaos than I've seen excitement and stuff. I see, I see brides coming to the day, and, I'm, and I try to tell them, you know, just let it go, <laughs> let it go. Uh, but that's not the way these would be. There was a sense of just complete joy. But, but even in the wedding that is even full of stress, there's that sense at the point where the vows are taken and it's pronounced... That there's that, that exaltation of joy and excitement. But I, I thought of it too, as, as family gatherings, because the church is also as, is seen as the family of God. And I thought, you know, as a child, I really looked forward to certain family gatherings. Gathering at, at my, my aunt's house, that was we either had Thanksgiving or Christmas, every, one of the other, every other year type of thing, at one of two aunts' house, and both of them. It was a place where you know, we all got together, extended family. And we actually did stand together. And, 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 and even though I didn't understand what was going on, and my immediate family didn't participate outside of these kinds of things, there was prayer. There was going around over to the piano. And, and my, both aunts played. And they would play at the piano, and there would be singing. At my one aunt's house, we actually, she, her Christmas tree was out more from the, we'd all stand around the Christmas tree and sing. Feasting, wow. My one aunt especially, she just, she put out a spread, well, it was a combined effort, but I mean, when you looked at the table, you thought you were looking at one of those pictures out of, out of Home and Garden. The turkey at one end, the ham at the other, and, and all the things, and nothing, Nothing. Everything neatly placed. She even had those plates that sit on plates, you know, uh, and and the, and the the bottom plate nobody you would never use for anything. It just holds everything, you know, other plates, uh, and and silverware, you know. That's the one. Okay, uh, and 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 all. But it was just a, a, a amazing picture, and it was such a joyous time. And there would be two or three other tables set up because there would be so many of us. And it was just uh, a joyous time. My grandfather, while he was alive, every Sunday, they, they were church people, every Sunday until I was four, he died when I was four, we were at his house, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, and we had a Sunday afternoon feast fact, I can remember him uh, sitting back at the end of dinner, everybody's stuffed, and he would say, Mrs. Sutter, that was very fine appetizers, When's the main course, <laughs> referring to my grandmother. It's a sense of, of, of getting together and enjoying each other's company. And it was always full, like I said for me, of anticipation, anticipated excitement and joy. And I looked at it, thought about even here in our fellowship as i sunday Sunday mornings i mean it's it's so much fun to stand up here and watch you know and 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 this morning, especially I have to, I couldn't be out there because I promised I wouldn't and and so i i i'm I'm watching, and everybody's just you're hugging, you're shaking hands, you're talking, you're visiting, and it's, it's like, you know. Old home day or something, you know? And, and, but it's every Sunday you guys do this. And not only that, we, I, you know, you get another shot of it. You get released halfway through the, the morning startup, and you do it all over again. And what's amazing is when we're done, you do it again. And some of you, you, you go for quite a while sometimes. And that's not, no complaint on my part. I love it. Because I've been to churches where people come and go and they're gone and that's it. And I look at that and I thought as I was putting this together, that's even a glimpse, a glimpse of of the joy and the fellowship and and the family and the bride of Christ as we look forward to this. This sense of anticipation and excitement should be in us all the time, by the way. Now, I know that it's not, well, unless I'm really an exception, uh, but uh, it's something that that, that the the longer we walk with the Lord, the more it grows in us. And as we, we... are in and, and embracing each other and, and the, the love and the concern and the covering that we have for one another. That's, by the way, one of the things that would uh, attracts people from the outside of the church to the church. They're looking at it and saying, oh, Yes, a place where I can what? Belong. You realize how many people are looking for a place to belong? You, want, you know, how many times have you heard people talk about Mormonism? You know, one of their strong suits is their family stuff. It's sad that it's so embracing such a a, a, a demonic faith, but this idea of, of of embracing one another so much so that people will say, "Wow, what is it that's in you?" Peter pretty well puts it. He says, "Be prepared." If if, if this is what's happening to you, and and not only the family here, but your own family and and this, you know, people just look at it and say, oh, what is it that is happening to you? What is going on inside you? How is it that you can, uh, we noticed as as you were going through this, this hard, difficult time, people were around you and lifting you up, supporting you. I know when we lost my uh, son Andy, one of my own family members, but from a distance, one who had married into the, the family, Kathy's uh, uh, nephew's wife, she looked at it and she said she'd never seen anything like it. She'd been to several funerals, she said, but she saw people who were caring and she said, this is really real for them, isn't it? She was speaking to her mother-in-law, Kathy's twin. Kathy said, oh, yeah. And she says, ask Bob. You know, and she did. And I explained. I got a chance to explain it to her. A hope and an, a, an excitement and anticipation that causes people to see something different in you. One of the, some of you know this, man. Uh, one of the, the, the men that I, I think of when I think of this was, is, is Randy Helton. I don't know how many of you knew Pastor Helton. He was the pastor of the, of the Foursquare Church here in town uh, up on uh, Wood Street, Wood Street Chapel. Randy was just one of those people that, that when you walked into the room, he brought an element of lifting up. There was just something about his presence that even in, in the worst of times, in the saddest of times, brought a sense of, 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 of uplifting. a man who truly walked his faith uh, at his funeral service. I don't know how many people got up and, and said, I never heard him speak illly of somebody else. He really took Ephesians 4.29 to heart, those words that encourage, lift up, and build. And, and uh, it's just that, that picture of, 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 of knowing Not only looking ahead, but as we look ahead, letting it affect how we are right now. Living with that sense of excitement. By the way, even the sense of excitement and anticipation, what God wants to do every Sunday for you as we gather together. Every time you open his word, every time you enter into prayer, God is there to meet with you. And there should be a sense of anticipation, not that sense of, of duty, oh, I forgot, I've got to do this part or do this part or this, but that sense of I'm, I'm, I'm interfacing with the God of all creation. And, and that sense of anticipation and joy and comfort and peace as you rest in him. That sense of anticipation should be when we come to the communion table as well. He instituted communion to be something that would reflect that relationship, that, that, that special relationship that we have. The sacrifice of the lamb made for us. And in Matthew uh, and Mark and Luke, all three of them record Jesus making a clear statement. says, I will not do this, share this table again whether he spoke of the fruit of the vine or the, or the picture as a whole, depending on which scripture you read as it comes together, he's not going to share this table again until when? Until we're joined together, I believe, the marriage feast, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at that point, we'll be, we'll be sharing this, this feast and there will be a point in time, I, I'm, not, I'm confident, where there'll be the bread and the, and the wine and it will be talked about and what Christ has done. And it will be a, a, a full, complete sense of our worship as the lamb who appears to have been slain is there in our midst leading us. And he said that, in, that we are to do this through Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says we're to do this until he comes again. And so even coming to communion should be that sense of anticipation and fellowship and, and entering into our, our walk with God in a very special way, and so I want to encourage you this morning. You know what God has saved us for. I just touched the, the, what are the you know the tip of the iceberg, you know, and 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 the the very top tip at that. You know, there's all of what is still exposed, and then that that we ha we can't even imagine, which is the greater part of it. And so as we talk about, you know the judgment and and all of the negative things that we need to talk about so that we can understand how awesome this side of it is. We need to also embrace the joy and the excitement and the celebration of what is ahead. And even now, as we come to the table with what? Thanksgiving. I don't know how many of you have come out of uh, some liturgical backgrounds. It's called Eucharist. Celebration of thanksgiving for what Christ has done. Time for examining our hearts, according to Paul. A time of, of, of embracing Christ. And so, as, as the ushers come forward to, to pass out the communion, I ask you to hold it until we've all been served. And just to, to think about it, even now, pray God, just move in my heart uh, a fresh anointing and a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, as I, I, I walk in you, cause my resting in you to grow and to be greater than it's ever been before. That it might be a testimony to others who will ask and then give me the words. All of that as we come into this together. So, ushers, please, and come, uh, Molly and, and Bree, and uh, we'll share communion together. Thank you.
1: your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end your blood has washed away my sin jesus thank you the father's wrath completely satisfied jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Thank you Once you're
0: Could you put that last frame up again? And your over there. Oh, yeah. Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus. thank you. The, the picture, for me, is the Father's wrath completely satisfied. Completely satisfied in Christ. Again, that robe of righteousness that comes to us through this sacrifice. Is something that we, we, we even in, in our fallen state, we, are, we can't really even acknowledge. But as we come into Christ, we could never pick it up except for him. But we, as we confess, as we believe in our hearts, he engulfs us with it. And God views us as everything completely Satisfied, not only completely satisfied, but that other picture, once your enemy, Ephesians talks about that real clearly, now seated at your table, this will be ultimately the table of the marriage supper of the lamb, seated together and seated there not just as as people who have have come as as called to it but as a relationship of husband and and wife, meaning the headship of a husband who cares for his wife in every possible way so that nothing is left undone to cover her, protect her, and to present her before the throne of God without any spot or wrinkle or blemish of any kind, fully engulfed in his righteousness. Jesus shared with the disciples that the supper that they had together the night that he was betrayed. And he took the bread from the meal and and after giving thanks and breaking it, he passed it to the disciples. He said, this is my body that's given for you. And he asked us to do it in remembrance of him every time we share it. Let's share it together now. taking a cup of wine I'm I'm, I'm at the, the conclusion of the meal lifting it up and saying very clearly that this is his blood that's been poured out meaning the life has been poured out Hebrews tells us very distinctly the life is in the blood as he spilled his blood he spilled his life for us nothing left undone by his sacrifice for us. And he asked us as often as we do this until he comes again to do it in remembrance of him. Father, again, we come to you rejoicing in what you have done for us, resting confidently in the grace that you've poured out resting confidently, Lord, in the righteousness you engulfed around us and, and, and leaving everything done, completed in every way. And knowing, Lord, that even now as we're still running through, living through these these fallen flesh that, that is inherited from, from Adam and that sense of, of, of the frustrations and, and, and the trials and tribulations, knowing with confidence, Lord, that even there you are engulfing us, holding us. And as we rest in you, Resting with that, that, that promise from Romans 8 that all things, not some, but all things work together for the good of those who believe and rest in you, who are called by you, Lord. And again, we thank you for the love you've poured out on us. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen.